This is the Photography Podcast on photography.ca, episode number 130, a review of The Big Stopper. Hey there, photo lovers. How's it going? And welcome to the 130th photography podcast on photography.ca. My name is Marco. And as usual, we're coming to you from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. For today's show, we're going to review the Big Stopper by Lee. And before we get started, I'd like to thank the camera store, the largest camera store in Calgary, Alberta, Canada for sponsoring this podcast. Okay, then. So this is quite a review. So we're just going to get right into it. So for those that may not know it, what is the Big Stopper? The Big Stopper is basically a glass filter, uh, four inches by four inches, and it's made by Lee. They make all kinds of filters. And uh, why do we want to use it or why do we need to use it? Well, the Big Stopper is a 10-stop neutral density filter, and uh, you could feel free to check out podcast number 77, where we actually talked more in depth about uh, neutral density filters and graduated neutral density filters. But for right now, all you need to know is a neutral density filter is just a filter that you put over your lens, and the main reason you're going to use it is to get longer shutter speeds. And these longer shutter speeds are going to allow you to uh, creatively blur things that that move during the exposure. And because we're talking about long exposures, of course, our camera is gonna be on the tripod. So basically the purpose of this is those things that don't move during the exposure are gonna show up tack sharp, but things that move, because this filter is sort of dark when you look through it, it's really gonna slow it down. So anything that moves is gonna move for even longer. It's gonna create some creative blur and it's super, super interesting to the eye. Now two classic subjects that are always used for this are gonna be like water and the sky. So when water moves, it moves pretty quickly. And if you're on a normal tripod, you could capture a certain amount of blur, but uh, you're not going to be able to capture as much blur as when you use it with this filter. Similarly, people often like to capture skies that move during the exposure. And if you have a long exposure, let's say 30 seconds, one minute, two minutes, four minutes, the sky will actually blur over and create a very interesting effect in the image. And that's one of the reasons people use this filter. Now, before we get started, the Big Stopper is a 10-stop filter, and the significance of this 10 stops is major. Um, actually, the caveat is, okay, it's 10 stops on average, but it actually varies a wee bit between 9 and a third and 10 and 2 thirds stops. But for the sake of this review, let's just call it a 10-stop filter, and the 10 stops is major because um, it's an opaque filter. When you look through it with your eye, uh, you can't see very much through it. So it really makes the scene very, very, very dark. And because it's fairly dark, the significance of the 10 stops becomes pretty, pretty clear. So, you know, if your camera meter is telling you that the shutter speed for the scene normally without the filter is a one one thousandth of a second, let's say you're shooting in uh, bright sun and your shutter speed is one one thousandth of a second, well, the second you put this filter in front of your lens, that one one thousandth of a second becomes one second. Now, because we're talking 10 stops and some of you may want to do the math, if we're on a bright sunny day and we get a shutter speed of one over 1000 because our ISO and our aperture combination says that we have a one over 1000 shutter speed, then by putting this filter in front of the lens, all of a sudden that one over 1000 becomes one second because it's a 10 stop difference. So the one over 1000 goes to one over 500 
100, 1 over 250, 1 over 125, 1 over 60, 1 over 30, 1 over 15, 1 over 8, a quarter, a half, and then one second. That's 10 stops. The aperture stays the same, but the shutter speed increases from one over 1000 to one second when we use this filter. Now those are 10 big juicy stops, but what happens though is that when you wanna use a smaller aperture, then the exposure times might get really long. So in a bright sun, you know, I may choose an aperture of let's say F22 for really good depth of field, and I may choose uh, my lowest ISO in order to get this long shutter speed because the long shutter speed gives me this creative blurring. Now in bright sun, that shutter speed might only be a quarter of a second. And that quarter of a second also will give me like some interesting blur, but just like the example before, uh, this time when I put the filter over the lens, that one quarter seconds becomes four minutes because this is a 10 stop filter. And if for whatever reason, your ISO and aperture combination yields a shutter speed of one second, then with this filter, it's actually 16 minutes. So it becomes like really, really, really long exposures and you have to be prepared for it. You need a really rock solid uh, tripod and of course a cable release. For those of you that might be following the math on this one, if you do have a shutter speed of one second, you may actually get to 17 minutes if you go 10 stops. And that's due to the fact that as mentioned previously, it's not exactly 10 stops, it has a range. Now luckily, Ali helps you out with this by giving you like a handy business uh, card sized guide. That's a very good starting point for your first exposures, but uh, you're definitely gonna be have to uh, fine tuning with exposure compensation uh, as needed. And um, you know, during my tests and often when I'm doing photography of this kind, it might require three to four exposures to get the precise one you need. And if you're dealing with long exposure times, you just really have to be patient. And why that guide is super useful again is because, you know, as you get into smaller apertures, if you want them, you may get into times that exceed 30 seconds. Now, normally on most cameras, the shutter speed only goes to 30 seconds. So if you have an exposure time of four minutes, there's no way for your camera to precisely do four minutes of exposure. You have to put it on the bulb setting uh, and set it to a stopwatch and manually go uh, for four minutes. Or you could purchase a, a fancier remote control which can just count down four minutes, but we'll talk about that later. Okay, a little bit more about this filter is that unlike a screw-on filter, this filter, as mentioned, is a square piece of glass that attaches to a filter holder, and that attaches to an adapter that screws onto your lens. If you've never seen this apparatus, uh, check out the show notes. Even though we're really not going to talk about this for this podcast, some of you may be aware that uh, BW Filters has a 10-stop filter, and this is a screw-on filter versus this piece of glass that fits, fits into a holder that attaches to an adapter ring that screws onto your lens. And although that may sound more convenient, it's very much prone to um, vignetting. And very often when we use these filters, we use them in combination with other filters. So if you were to use this screw-on BW filter, which I've only tried once, um, it's hard to use other filters with it without getting vignetting, so it's annoying. So I actually recommend uh, Lee's uh, drop-in filter, as they call it, or square glass drop-in filter uh, over this uh, screw-in filter, for sure. And before we get much further, we're talking about this big stopper filter. You sort of need to know that it's gonna cost you a few hundred bucks to use this stuff, unfortunately, because the material is not cheap. It's about 150 bucks for the filter holder, maybe 200 bucks for the filter itself, and then 50 to 70 bucks for the adapter ring. Sometimes you can find this stuff used or on eBay, but if you wanna buy it new, you're sort of looking at three to four bells. 
I should tell you that I'm using this filter not with the Lee filter holder, but the Koken Z Pro holder. Uh, I already have this holder, so I just don't need the Lee holder. Um, and it works fine, and this particular holder is a bit cheaper, though there is a little bit of space between the actual uh, filter itself and the adapter. So you sort of have to be really careful that you slide the filter all the way down to the bottom of it or else uh, you might be able to get some bouncing of light, which uh, again I'll talk about shortly. But uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, if you're very careful, the Koken Z Pro holder can be used easily uh, with this filter. All right, let's talk about the filter in action. It's a glass filter and it's delicate, so you have to be very careful when you use it. But I have to say, uh, I love this filter. It's fabulous and it's giving me effects that I really, really, really appreciate. Um, I've obtained similar results by stacking neutral density filters, which you could use, but this is much more convenient and uh, I really recommend it. Uh, water and clouds that move for like 15, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, you know, during an exposure, these yield really ethereal looking scenes. And there's something about dreamy, creamy, ethereal looking scenes that I really like. I know a lot of other photographers really like as well, which is why it's a popular filter. But um, it's really fab. You should check out the show notes because I did some comparisons where I could get the longest shutter speed um, without the filter and then I dropped the filter on and it's just it's just so easy to see how much dreamier uh, the filter makes the scenes. I tested the filter at uh, multiple locations and uh, I got cool results each time. I will confess uh, that on my tests, I deliberately kept the exposures to about uh, 30 seconds or 60 seconds, uh, you know, because I got tired and I didn't want the light to change so much, but I could have easily had exposures into several minutes and uh, many people that use these filters get into several minute exposures. Totally nothing wrong with that. Just know that I kept mine uh, rather short. Now, another good use for this filter might be actually making people disappear during a long exposure. Let's say you're at a really, really uh, popular tourist place and people are moving about quite a bit, especially if they're not moving in a straight line to your camera. Let's say you're at the Taj Mahal and you're taking a wide view and people are moving, let's say, left and right. And let's say your exposure is like two minutes. If they're walking about, um, they're not going to register. If they if they stay about in the same place, they will register. Um, and I actually get some cool results. And I'll talk about that shortly doing exactly that. But if you don't want people in your scene and they're not moving in a straight line, you can often use this filter to get people out of your scene. Uh, you may take a few shots with different people in different parts of the scene. And then uh, using Photoshop, you can blend them together to choose uh, that scene that has no people in it. And it's a fairly easy thing to do, and uh, I've seen it done. So it's another effective uh, use of this filter. So I actually use this filter uh, three different times, and I used it in uh, Shoots Dorwin, which is Dorwin Falls in Rodden, Quebec. A uh, great place, fast-moving water. And, um, you know, I shot scenes with the filter and without the filter, and I got some really ethereal results. I had some flare problems, which I'll talk about in a moment, but uh, the results are fab. Then I went into Park LaFontaine and I shot one of the fountains in Park LaFontaine, which is really a famous landmark. And then I photographed the lake as it moved. So I got some really cool movement shots with and without the filter. You're gonna wanna check the show notes for how much cooler every single shot is uh, with the big stopper, of course. And then finally, I wanted to do some movement shots with clouds, so I waited until later in the day and I shot a scene in the evening time with the clouds moving and with people moving in place at a traffic light. And because they were moving, but sort of moving in the same place, they register, but they kind of register in a very ghost-like way. 
And for me, it's super, super cool. I love this effect. I often try and get effects like this and this filter really helped. So again, you want to check the show notes if you want to check the shots out. All right, so let's say you want to buy the filter and you do buy the filter. Here's some tips straight off the bat about using the filter. The filter has a blue cast. You're spending $200 on a filter and it has a blue cast. No, it's not you. It just does have a blue cast. What most people do is they just filter out the blue cast in a graphics program. So just know that it has a blue cast. Two, the filter is prone to flaring. And uh, my first time out, I actually forgot that it's pro prone to flaring because I, I don't shoot landscapes so, so often. And um, I got flare in the majority of my shots because I wasn't aware of it. I put the filter in the slot not closest to the camera, uh, which is a mistake, and I should have. So different filter holders work in different ways, and mine can handle multiple filters. But if you're just using this filter, put it in the slot closest to the camera because if you put it in any other slot, light can get through the other slot and into your camera. And you don't want this because it can cause flare. And secondly, you want to use a hat or something to shield uh, that portion of your camera anyway. So uh, all my shots, when I went out the second time in Parc La Fontaine, I shielded the area between the filter and the camera. I basically placed the hat on my head on my camera. So I made sure it didn't get in the lens, but I placed it on my camera. That kept all the flare out 100% of the time, but I got a lot of flare the first time around. So just be aware of this. It does flare um, and you need to control it, especially if you're shooting into the sun. I never shot directly into the sun, but uh, flare made its way into my camera when it was unprotected versus protected the second time. So I recommend it. Three, often you're going to be greater than 30 seconds. So of course, a cable release and a tripod is essential. And I highly recommend that cable release where you could set the exact shutter speed. Very, very, very handy. As mentioned, you could buy the authentic ones from the company. They could be up to $100. You could buy knockoffs. They could be $10. It's up to you which one you want to use. Um, I've tried both. The real ones are more expensive, but they're way more convenient. Uh, I have one of each in the knockoff. Uh, there's no on and off switch, so I have to actually turn the battery upside down to use the cheap one. But they both work, and they're both highly recommended with this type of thing. If you have just a regular cable release, you're just going to have to sit there with a stopwatch while it's on bulb. Yeah, you could do it, of course, but it's just less convenient. Number four is when you put that filter in front of the lens, very hard to focus or even see the scene because it's opaque. So what most people do is they're going to compose the scene first without the filter, then they're going to place the filter on gently, then they may switch to manual focus while doing this so that the focal point stays put while they place the filter so that the AF doesn't hunt when you're finally ready to shoot. Back button autofocus, we've done a podcast on this, is great for this. Uh, when I press my shutter release button, it doesn't control my focus at all. I've separated that function, so really handy. Um, but because it's so hard to see through the filter, you really wanna compose your scene first and then carefully place the filter afterward. Tip number five is gonna be close the curtains on that back eyepiece, or you're just gonna get crazy metering issues. If you put your camera to your eye and you keep your eye forced on the camera for four minutes, maybe light won't get in that way. But if it's on your tripod and it's just sitting open, all the light is gonna enter through that back piece and it's gonna make your meter crazy. It's gonna totally screw up your exposures and you're not gonna know why, so that's why. You want it closed. If you don't have those curtains, then get a black piece of tape, figure it out, but make sure it stays closed and no light gets in. 
Tip number six is going to be that live view can be a great friend as it can really help you focus. Um, and most of the newer uh, DSLRs uh, can do this. So, you know, sometimes if you just put your eye to the viewfinder, it just looks black when you see this filter. You know, it, unless it's super, super sunny, then maybe you can make out some details. But more often than not, you'll have a hard time focusing just looking through it, which is why I mentioned, you know, most people uh, compose before they put the filter. But if you have live view and the filter's already in, you can rotate to a larger aperture and normally that makes the scene brighter. So often we're shooting at smaller apertures when we use uh, these filters. Let's say we're at F16 for whatever reason and we can't see the scene. If we're in live view, all we have to do is make the aperture, let's say F4 or F3.5, and then all of a sudden we can see the scene. So uh, once we can see the scene, then we can move around the focusing point and we can zoom into particular areas so we could get incredibly precise focus, even using this really dark filter by using live view. On the newest cameras, you can even use live exposure compensation. So let's say you're using your largest aperture and you still can't see it well enough for the finest focus. Well, by adding plus one or plus two stops, um, on the newer cameras, uh, the camera will show the camera will show you what that looks like. So again, you can use your fine focus move around that square and just get absolute precision. And then before you have to take the shot, the only thing you have to remember to do is put it back to your original aperture and of course take off the exposure compensation. And I think that's all I have to say about that. I really enjoyed using this filter. It's fabulous for creative photography. You're not going to use it all the time, but if you have a bit of a budget to spend uh, or you find it used, you're going to get effects with this that are really special and unique and uh, highly recommended for creative photography. Of course, if people are listening to this and they have tips uh, that they want to share or they want to talk about stuff I, I haven't uh, spoken about, please uh, be my pleasure to get uh, these tips. Photography.ca at gmail.com could be the email. The best way to get them, though, is maybe post the comment directly in the blog, photography.ca forward slash blog. I'd like to thank the Camera Store again for sponsoring this podcast. The Camera Store is a full-line dealer for an entire range of photographic equipment and supplies. Whether you are a leading professional or new to photography, their expert staff are always ready to assist you in finding the perfect equipment at great prices. New assignments on the forum this month. Our regular assignment is repetition with already some good submissions. Uh, forced perspective is the level two assignment, which is slightly more challenging, but uh, Feel free to check out the show notes for the links and uh, hope you participate. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. If this filter does intrigue you uh, or you have a bit of extra photography budget to spend, like I said, it, it's recommended. And uh, just try it. Get out there. Make some creative pictures. But uh, keep on shooting. Bye for now, everyone. Thanks so much for listening.